Welcome to the Second Students West podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's message is the start of a brand new collection of talks called Humble Beast. Hope you enjoy the message. I am so excited to be here with you guys tonight, and thank you so much for welcoming me, making me feel um, just so excited to be here. So um, this is the last week in the series Humble Beast, and last week Michael talked a lot about pride and lowering ourselves so that we exalt others and exalt Christ. And he used the seesaw to show that analogy, if you remember that. And so tonight, I wanna continue in that same chapter, Luke 14. So go ahead, open up your Bibles and turn there. Luke chapter 14, and we're gonna start in verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast and the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said, I just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another one said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and he ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has already been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Now, when I look at this parable, remember a parable is a story that Jesus used to get across a spiritual point. I see two different types of people that have pride in them. Now the first one, the first group of people are the men that gave excuses. And these excuses were very selfish and the reason that it was prideful was not in what they were doing, but how they exalted it over God. Now let's look back at verse 18. I'm gonna read these excuses again and I want you to see how silly and how selfish they are. Verse 18, he says, I have just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. I mean, he just bought a field so he must go see it Wondering, does he just want to go look at it again? Is he not sure what the field looks like? Is it a different time of day? Did he buy it without seeing it first? There are so many things that we would never, ever buy without seeing them first, right? At least I wouldn't. Like a pair of shoes, you got to try them on. You got to make sure they fit. You got to make sure they look good. Um, For girls' clothes, it's important for us to try on clothes, right? Boys, maybe not so much. You just know your size. It's pretty basic. Um, Now, Seth... (laughs) Now, everybody knows Seth's fashion is a little above par, right? So I really have to try um, to keep up with him. And he would never, ever let me buy him clothes, ever, without first seeing them. I would have to, like, FaceTime him or show him. And I'm like, if you don't like it, just say you don't like it. He's like, I don't like it. Okay, I'm not going to buy it. We're different. I don't even try anymore. So, anyways, this guy is making the excuse. And he's saying, I got to go look at my field. I haven't seen it. Okay. So Jesus 
The master, the servant, they knew that this excuse was bogus. They knew that this excuse was this, just this man caring more about his possessions than anything. So the next excuse given is in verse 19. The man says he has just bought five yoke of oxen and he needs to go try them out. Now, back then buying five yoke of oxen was a big deal. Like this was a big purchase. Like this is a Lamborghini. Like this is something serious. Like you don't just say, sure, I'll take that Lamborghini. No, you're going to test drive it, right? Like I hope he got the Carfax on those oxen. I hope he knew how many miles were on them. Like he needs to know about these oxen. He would never just buy five yoke of oxen without knowing anything about them. So he says, I need to go try them out. They're like, okay, go try out your oxen. And this man represents so many of us. The the ones of us that we're, we're tied up in our work, we're tied up in sports, maybe we're tied up in our schoolwork and our class rank and performing, whatever it may be, there's something that is tying up people like this and keeping them preoccupied with themselves and not the Lord. All right, now this, this is my favorite excuse. Verse 20, look at it. He says, I just got married, so I can't come. Now, I feel like when boys read this, they're probably like, oh, he's on a tight leash, like his wife won't let him do anything, he can't go anywhere, he can't have dinner. But as a woman, I read this and I'm like, listen, I want you to go have dinner. In fact, I would love to come to dinner with you. I would love to not have to cook dinner for one night and we get to go to a banquet and dress up and have a free dinner. Like that would be awesome. But I guarantee you this woman knew nothing about a dinner, nothing. And this man was using her as an excuse to go home and watch football and kick his feet up. Not that I know anything personally about that. I'm just saying. Now, I've had people come up to me before, so take this as my public apology to any of you that have ever invited Seth and I somewhere, and he has said, sorry, my wife said no, or my wife is sick, or... And I love him and I appreciate that he wants to stay home with me and the dog, but like I'm social, like I wanna go out, I wanna do things and he, he wants to like watch football and stuff. The Panthers aren't even good in the past three years. But I love them, I love them. <laughs> We're working on it, anyways. So, I've had someone come up to me before that's like, man, I really missed you and Seth at dinner last night. Are you feeling better? And I'm like, what? What dinner? I wanna go to dinner. Like, yeah, I invited you and Seth to dinner, but Seth said you were sick. And I was like, oh, where'd you guys go to dinner at? Oh, okay. Well, listen, I love to go to dinner. So if you guys wanna go to dinner, let's go to dinner. I don't care if it's McDonald's. I don't care if it's Taste of Texas. I'll go to dinner with you anytime, anywhere. Just make sure that you text me or call me. And Seth can come too, I'll invite him, but make sure I get the invitation. <laughs> don't ever trust him because he, he's not gonna go. And it's nothing personal, he just, he doesn't like to go out. We're working on it. Anyways, what this all boils down to is that these excuses, these excuses were prideful because these people were more worried about themselves, their possessions, and their relationships more than they were anything else. So how often are we like this? How often do our own desires get in the way of what the Lord has called us to? Get in the way of us going to church, of inviting people to church, 
even just spending time with Jesus in general. So we have to choose to say yes to God and not give excuses for the things of this world that are fighting for our attention. So let's keep going. I want you to look at verse 21. The servant comes back to his master. He reports all these excuses. Can you just imagine him like so tired, just like running? He's like, okay, they said this, they said this, they said this. And he's like, and you let them get away with that? You, you let Seth tell you that his wife is sick? Are you kidding me? He's just saying these things. So then he's like, uh, okay, I want you to go back out. I want you to go even further. And I want you to go get the lame, the crippled, the blind, the poor, because there is still room at the table. He says, compel them to come in. And this word, this word really hit me because compel, it means to be persistent, to really strongly persuade somebody to come with you. He says to urge them because he knows that these people further out and further out are not going to feel worthy to come to this banquet. Why? They feel like they are not going to deserve a seat at this table because they're outsiders. So these were the outcasts of society and today, to us, this would look like maybe the kids at school that people say aren't cool, kids that aren't popular, um, maybe people that are just different than us and we don't want anything to do with them or maybe it's somebody that just needs some love because they're going through a tough time and they don't really know how to be around people. And this is where I see the second form of pride that I relate to so well and maybe you do too. So this, this pride, if you will, is on the, the opposite side of the spectrum than bragging. So we've got pride, which is focusing on yourself, being self-consumed, exalting yourself over others, and exalting yourself over God. And so here you're bragging, you think that you're so great, you're so awesome, you can do all things, not through Christ, you can just do all things. And then you've got this side of the spectrum where you're like, I'm the worst, I'm an idiot, God can't use me, I'm stuck in my sin, I'm a failure, you have all these fears and all these insecurities, and you won't even let God use you because you are so self consumed with your fears and your insecurities and sadly that's where I fall so much of the time and it's a struggle it's really a struggle when we obsess over our flaws our setbacks our sins our unworthy unworthiness thinking that we have nothing to offer how is God going to use us my whole life, I feel like I have constantly been fighting for a seat at some table. Now, Thanksgiving is coming up. It's making me have flashback to the kids' table. Did, any, did anybody know what I'm talking about? The kids' table. So my mom would be like, I have three younger brothers. I'm the oldest. I have three younger brothers. Always thought that I was kind of mature, kind of independent, but I never had a seat at the adult table. I'm like, it was in another room. Like, we couldn't even be in the same room. It was, here's the kids' table. I'm like, can I get a chair that's, like, not going to fall over? Like, they did not care about us. My mom's like, here's mashed potatoes. Here's the turkey. Go in there. Sit at the kids' table. And so we would be like, I wonder what's going over there at the adult table. How do we get to the adult table? But like, no matter what we did, we could not earn our seat at the adult table. Even now, when I, now that I'm at the adult table, obviously because I'm an adult now, um, I still get so excited. One of my younger brothers, he's still in junior high, so he sits at the kids' table, and I'm always in the other room like, hey, Charlie, 
I'm at the adult table if you can't see me. How's the kids table? And I'm so like prideful, I guess, that I'm at the adult table. And he's like, you're 27, Erica, real cool. You should be at the adult table. Anyways, and so then, and then you move to junior high and you move to high school and you've got the dreaded cafeteria and those, those cafeteria tables, which I hate. I hate the sight of them. I hate looking at them because to me, it just represents a sense of, of who am I and where do I belong? You guys know what I'm talking about? When you walk into the cafeteria, you're like, I don't belong there, don't belong there, they're going to make fun of me, they're not going to like my shirt, they're not going to like this, and then you finally find your spot, or so what you think is your spot. But then say, you're sitting with your boyfriend, you and your boyfriend break up, are you still going to have a seat at that table? If you do, is it awkward? You and your best friend, you get into a fight, can you still sit at that table? Is it awkward? You don't know where your seat is, you don't know where you belong sometimes, you don't know if you have to earn your seat. And then, grow up, get a job for the adults in the room. Maybe you're constantly trying to, to find your place, a conference table, in a boardroom, whatever it may be. We are always striving to find our place. And if we don't stop it, it will happen in every single stage of our life. And this is exactly where the enemy wants to keep you. He wants you to think that you don't deserve a spot at any table. You don't have a spot anywhere, not even at God's table. That you don't belong and you are not worthy. But here's the beauty, is with Jesus, and at Jesus' table, and this parable that he's telling us, he says, guess what, you don't have to earn your seat at my table. And guess what, you can't even earn your seat if you tried at my table, because I took that on the cross for you. It's a gift, it's a free gift. It's a free dinner, appetizers and all. Like this isn't ordered in from Luby's. Like this is a feast and it is made and it is made well and there's gonna be everything. I don't want your store-bought cookies. I don't want your mini muffins. I don't want anything that you have to bring to this table because I already have everything here for you and it is awesome. All you have to do is come to it. You have a seat and you will always have a seat at his table. You don't have to keep trying to be good enough. So Jesus took that for us. And he tells us that we are worthy. And he, just like this master, is compelling us, urging us, begging us, just come to my feast. Come to my table. See what I have for you. You belong here. Have you ever been invited somewhere where you just don't feel worthy of going? Maybe it's a really nice dinner. You don't know how to use all the pieces of silverware. You don't know how to have etiquette. Well, last year, and this is serious, y'all, serious. Last year I was invited somewhere that I was, I know I was not worthy of going. I was invited to a Texas A&M football game. Now hear me, hear me. Aggies, are there Aggies in here? Okay, good. I'm in good hands. Okay, I'm from Virginia. I didn't know any, that's not Texas for those of you who are just in Texas. It's like on the other side of the United States. We don't talk about Texas. We don't know about Texas. I know that's hard to believe, but like I didn't know who Texas A&M was until I came to Texas. That's when I heard about Texas A&M. So we get invited to this game and I'm like, oh, I gotta go shopping. I don't even have any maroon. I don't know what this means. We're just giving everybody thumbs up all the time. We're whooping. We're doing like war hymns and we're swaying back and forth. Like, I don't know what any of this is. And I'm like, I am not worthy to be here. These people are gonna laugh at me. They're gonna know. Like, they're just gonna be able to look at me and be like, you are not an Aggie and you are not an Aggie. And I'm like, Seth, how are we gonna do this? How are we gonna get away with it? And they're like, no, come on. 
come on, we're going to teach you everything you need to know. So we get here, and you know what? You Aggies probably already know this. They wanted to make me an Aggie. I had thought about going back to college just because I felt so at home and so loved by these Aggies. And they wanted to bring me into their family. They wanted to teach me everything about being an Aggie. They wanted to take pictures with me doing this, and I did the, the hymn, and I don't know the words, so I just hummed along and said whoop, like whenever they told me to, and learned what a yell captain was, or yell leader, or whatever it was, the core, learned all these things. And by the end, I was like, Seth, we gotta go to the bookstore. Like, I gotta get an A&M shirt. Like, this place is awesome. And I left there that day as an Aggie. Like, I was in the Aggie family, for sure. And I will rep it every day because those people made me feel loved. And that's exactly what this master and this servant are doing. They're saying, just come, just come. God doesn't care. He doesn't care what you know. He doesn't care if you don't know where Habakkuk is in the Bible. I, I still don't really know where Habakkuk is in the Bible. Like, that's hard to find. I got to go to the Corinthians, find the page number. Anyways, he doesn't care if you don't know the story of Jonah. He doesn't care if you've never been to church before. He doesn't care what you did yesterday. He loves you, and he wants you to come into his family, just like those Aggies want to make you an Aggie. And you all know what I'm talking about. You all can relate to that. So you see, they knew the banquet was a real deal. They had everything ready, everything prepared. They didn't need anything. They didn't need them to bring anything. But they knew that these people would be insecure. They knew that they could make excuses like, well, I don't have nice clothes to wear. I'm poor. I'm an outcast. I have this disease. But the master compelled them because he knew it would be a challenge due to their pride. Their pride came in the form of insecurities and fears and feelings of unworthiness. When God doesn't say any of that about us, God says that we are chosen and we are loved and we are redeemed and we are righteous, we are bold, we are strong, we are courageous, we are loved, we are free. He says all of those things about us. So why are we believing this lie of unworthiness? That is not the life God has called us to. So I wonder how many of, in here, of you in here tonight are facing that same struggle just like I constantly do. What are our excuses when it comes to not wanting what God has to offer us, to not invite our friends to church, to not have them come to Bible study with us, to not even talk about God at school, and to not step out in faith, whatever it is that God's asking us to do. What is your excuse? What is your insecurity? What is your fear that's keeping you from stepping out into that life he has from you? Maybe it's rejection. Maybe you're scared what people are going to say, what people are going to think. One of my favorite verses ever, it's Galatians 1.10. It says, am I now trying to win the approval of humans or of God? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. As servants of Christ, there's just going to be some people that don't like us. And that's okay. Because just like those Aggies won me over, we're going to win them over. We're going to show them the love of Christ. And we're going to show them what it means to be a part of God's family. And we're going to love them. Stepping out in faith can be scary, can be intimidating. And it's so much safer and easier in our minds to just sit back in our comfort zone and just be with our group of people and just let life go by. But guess what? It also is. It's boring. And I don't know about you, but I don't like boring. I don't like to be bored. The things that God calls us to challenges us. It may scare us, but guess what? 
John 10, 10 says, I have come that you may have life and you may have it abundantly. You may have joy. You may have a full life. Ephesians 3.20 says that you may have things that are greater than you could ever think of, greater than anything you could ever imagine. That's the life that he wants to give to us. He can't give that to us if we are so consumed with ourselves and our fears. God has great plans for you, and he says all of those things about you. In him, we are those things. We cannot do it on our own. Shouldn't even try to do it on our own. It's his power working in us and through us that are gonna help us accomplish those God-sized dreams that he's instilled in us. When I was a freshman, during my freshman and sophomore year of high school, I missed out on this abundant life that God was calling me to. And I hate to say it, but I did. And for two years, I gave my life over to sin instead of giving it to my Savior. And now hear me, I accepted Christ years before, years before. But during my freshman year and my sophomore year, there was just something in me that decided that I needed to choose my sin and living in my sin over what Jesus had to offer me. And now, when we accept Christ, we're not perfect, we're still gonna sin. Hear me say that. But there was a difference in, in sinning and then what I was doing, what was living in my sin, clinging to my sin, not letting go of my sin. And this put me in a, a deep, deep depression for, for two years. And I, um, I lost a lot of weight. I stopped going to school. I stopped hanging out with people. Didn't go to church that whole time. Didn't want to talk to anybody from church. I was depressed and I was caught up in myself, my sin, and I was too scared to go back to God. I thought God was done with me. He doesn't want me anymore. He doesn't, he doesn't need me. He can't use me. I was paralyzed with anxiety, depression, couldn't leave the house, but I was too scared to turn back to him. During the season of my life, um, I was in high school, so I obviously lived at home with my family. We had a neighbor move in right next door to us, and her name was Amy, Amy Holmes. And she was the sweetest, kindest person, and she was so full of life, and she had so much joy. And remember, at this time, this was everything that I was not. And Amy and I lived next door to each other. Come to find out, she was a missionary, and she had just moved back to the U.S. Started going to a church down the street, and leading a group of high school girls at her house every week in a Bible study. And between my yard and Amy's yard was a fence, and it separated our yard. And I loved being around Amy, and I loved talking to her because I knew she had something I wanted, but I didn't want to admit that it was Jesus. So I would stand at this fence, and she would stand on the other side of the fence, and we would just talk. She knew what I was going through, and every week she would invite me to her Bible study. Oh, her Bible study. I don't want to go to your Bible study. Like, didn't you hear me? Like, I'm depressed. Like, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. Oh, cool. You teach high school girls. I bet they're all happy and giddy and they all love Jesus. And I don't want anything to do with that. Like, I just want to sulk in my depression and my self-pity. I don't want anything to do with your Bible study. But I would love to keep standing here and talking to you at this fence because I see something in you that I want. But I didn't want to go to her Bible study. Every week she invited me, and I was sick of her inviting me, but I wasn't sick of talking to her. And then finally one day I was, I was at rock bottom, and I was just 
I was done, and I didn't know where else to go, what else to do. So I went to this fence, and I said, okay, Amy, I'm going to come. I'm going to come to your house, and I'm going to come to your Bible study. And so I went from this side of the fence to this side of the fence. And I said, okay, I'm here. And I was so nervous of what these girls were going to think of me, what they were going to say about me, if they were going to judge me. And so I go into her house, and I'm... These girls ended up becoming my best friends in high school. And they were just like Amy. They were full of joy. They were so sweet. They were so happy. But when it came time for prayer requests, guess what? Their life was not perfect. They had issues and they had struggles. They had hard family lives. They had fears. They had insecurities. They had boyfriend issues, friend issues. They had problems too. But they were dealing with it in a whole different way than I was. They were giving it over to Jesus and they were letting Jesus be Lord of their life. And I left there that night and I walked back to my side of the fence, changed. And I knew the Lord had never left my heart because hear me, once you accept Christ, it's a done deal. He's never going to leave. I don't care what you do, he is in there and he's not going anywhere. You can push him down, your pride can rise up, you can hide it, you can reject it, but he's not going anywhere. And some of you need to hear that tonight. He's still there. He's still there. And he didn't leave me even though I left him for two years and didn't care about him, talked bad about him, wanted nothing to do with some of his people. He didn't leave me. He was still compelling me saying, Erica, it's a free dinner. It's a free feast at my table. And I still have a seat for you. No one ever took this seat and no one ever will take it. He has a seat for all of us at his table. No matter if we have left, no matter if we haven't even come yet, there's a seat for all of us. So I left that night realizing that that abundant life is something that I can still have. And so my life changed again that night. And it was all because Amy gave me that invitation. And she had every excuse not to. Like, this girl is depressed. This girl doesn't want God. This girl's rejecting God. She's on the other side of the fence. She had every reason to not invite me to her house. But she did. She let God use her. She let God take away all of her fears about everything I would say about rejecting her week after week after week. And she let God use her to give me a simple invitation to bring me on the other side of the fence. That's all. It's simple, but it's not easy. And I don't know what that looks like for you in your life tonight. I don't know if God is extending an invitation to you through somebody, or if you're the person that needs to extend that invitation to somebody else. And maybe it's not a fence. Maybe it doesn't look like this. Maybe it's a cafeteria table. Maybe it's the other side of the table. Maybe it's the other side of the classroom. Maybe it's the other side of the field. Maybe it's even the other side of your house. I would beg you to let God use you. God has amazing things planned for each and every one of you. And I'm not just saying that because I was someone who didn't believe it was true, but I know it was true. I know it still is true. 
if you just accept the invitation. Just accept it. And he'll work it all out. He'll work out all of the details. He'll work out everything. You don't have to know everything to just accept what he has to offer you. It doesn't matter what others are gonna say, what they're gonna think. Your excuse of being too shy or not a people person, your excuses don't matter. There's no excuse in the book because it's God's power in you. It's not you, it's not your own. Let him use you to do big things. Sit back and watch him do his thing through you. It's an amazing thing to be a part of and you don't wanna miss out on it. So much better than just sitting in your comfort zone. We don't need to just be humble, but let's be that humble beast for him. Let's be a beast for the kingdom. Let's lift him up and let him use us. And so maybe you're here tonight and you're where I was. Maybe you're standing on the side of the fence where you have hit rock bottom and you're ready. You're ready to put yourself aside. You're ready to shift your focus back on God and get it off yourself. And you need to know that he wants a relationship with you. He wants to transform your life. He doesn't want you to fix it. He wants to fix it for you. So it's time, it's time to make that move. It's time to go from this side of the fence to the other. You know what, let's just knock the fence down. There doesn't even need to be a fence. God says, here I am, this fence gate is open wide. Just come, just walk right through it. With your head.